Gawana wedus jini jia yogan re yani geda takwa zeda gone gardum ya gwe agwe go. native on this tuesday june 18th while this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment we do encourage and sometimes we start conversations we don't do prayers or buffalo speeches Uh, we take a tough look at history oppression and survival we talk about culture the arts politics and identity and we may step on a few toes along the way but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us we take on uh, the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that uh, we not only broadcast this show live on our uh, on our website, uh, let's talk uh, let's talk native.com. Uh, we are streaming live on Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which uh, not only makes it available there, but also puts it out as a uh, on the RSS feed. So we uh, we're on all your favorite podcasts. Uh, platform, So you can catch us as a podcast. We take the video and then we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. And there you can watch this show. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, people sometimes uh, Facebook can be a little bit choppy, but uh, the best viewing is really on uh, on our right there on our uh, YouTube channel. So uh, check us out there. Uh, and of course, we do post other videos on our YouTube channel, not just our shows. We do uh, some of these short form videos, um, not the least of which is the last one that I did. Um, uh, 
uh, Jake and I put together a, uh, a great video on the doctrine of discovery and, uh, well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg role in uh, in promoting and embracing the doctrine of discovery. So uh, uh, check that out. Uh, that's the one that got me put in Facebook jail for 24 hours because I, I, uh, I just, it dawned on me just yesterday. Essentially, I got, um, and this has been happening a lot to me lately, I got pulled over for speeding by Facebook and I was posting too fast and that's what they said. So I actually um, got uh, punished for, for speeding on Facebook. Yes, they said I posted to too many pages too quickly. Yeah, go figure, right? All right. Well, I'm the host of this of this show, uh, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who is um, managing our video and our sound. And I say that not to blame him. I'm trying to give him credit. We've been we've been uh, struggling a little bit as of late. We're trying to do some new things. If you're watching this show, uh, you you may have seen over my left shoulder. We have a um, we've added a video screen and. In doing so, uh, we're hoping that this will not only be a feature for us to to uh, maybe show a little bit more. Uh, perhaps we can have people join us by video conference. Uh, we we know that we when we're talking about di- different subjects, we can post up uh, uh, images, so it's, it's it'll be a little bit more relevant to to what we're doing here. So uh, that's our latest edition. Uh, we're still getting some of the bugs out in terms of how we how we put uh, images up there. So that's one of the things that we're working on. Um, as promised last show, which uh, we we tried to do this, we I was trying to have uh, Michelle Elise Burnett join uh, join us last week, but uh, we had to start an hour late, and that gets pretty late into the into the evening. So, um, so we do have um, Michelle Elise Burnett joining us today to talk about what's coming up this weekend, which is the uh, Strawberry Moon Festival at Art Park uh, at the Art Park Amphitheater in uh, in Lewiston. So let me uh let me welcome uh, uh Michelle Elise Burnett to Let's Talk Native. Uh, Michelle, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be on the air with you tonight, uh John, uh, so Sego and Annie. Um yeah. Strawberry Moon Festival. It's <laughs> well, been over 40 years since there has been any indigenous or native programming at the art park. Can you believe that? No, that that is hard to believe. I mean, uh, obviously, our park is you know is is kind of a you know a fairly recognizable um, you know institution in in Western New York, and uh, it it's actually amazing that we've been excluded. Uh, and and you're doing it in, in big fashion this time. I mean, so you've got some some interesting names, and not the least of which uh, is your headliner with uh, with a tribe called Red. In fact, we should play that during the break, but. We were scrambling so much to try to uh, get started. I don't know if you caught caught uh, the, the song in the beginning. Uh, this is somebody that would be interesting to uh, to consider for the future. That was Jeff Doreen, who does Mohawk or does Beatles tunes in Mohawk, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a language. I, know, I was listening to that. He, he's a language instructor uh, um, in Ontario, and he's going to actually going to join me in New York at the end of this month. Uh, he performs Beatles tunes in in Mohawk. Uh, he is accompanied by uh, Laura Kuji, who is uh, Anishinaabe. Uh, uh, she's a poet, so she does some spoken word, um, you know, pieces with Jeff playing backup background or backup for him, and then she sings backup for uh, for Jeff when he does his uh, his tunes. So um, that that's an interesting. It's it's a unique experience to because we know all the lyrics, right? We know all the lyrics to Beatles tunes. So when we hear these songs sung in the language. We can automatically connect them, and so uh, it's, it's kind of a neat thing. He actually uses it, part uh, you know, he uses it to some extent. It's not a, a lesson planner, but uh, uh, but it helps him, uh, you know, address the, not only the relevance of being able to communicate something like uh, you know a lyrical song in, in Mohawk, but uh, it makes it easy for people to make the connection. I mean, uh, when we say "gunarunkwa," uh, which means "I love you," loosely. Um, uh, I've become more familiar with that expression because of uh of Jeff singing I love you yeah yeah, yeah you know <laughs> you know so uh uh anyway um enough about Jeff Doreen I did want to you know, introduce this song cuz we we opened up the show with it but um talk to me no, about it was the performance. A fabulous, it was no it was a fabulous song and you know you just got me thinking it, the importance of language Absolutely. and if we're able to empower and to have our youth um start to speak the language, but even music is a wonderful ambassador to, for teaching and um, for keeping our culture uh, alive and well, whether it's interpreting Beatles songs, which everyone knows globally and is adored in, 
and loved. I mean, it's one way to really um, engage our youth and, of course, ourselves. Uh, like you said, you, you now know how to say I love you, so loosely. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Jeff, early on, one of the, one of the songs that he uh, translated was Blackbird, and has done mm-hmm. a you know and so it's it was really one of the first ones that he did and uh so he's done that a number of times there's a couple of youtube videos he did that on my show we we did a um you know we had a um a good, we have a good recording of it that he did in studio in my for my show in new york interestingly enough um a uh, a Mi'kmaq uh, uh, uh woman mm-hmm. recorded that just recently and it went it went viral and viral. and, and um, Paul McCartney actually made a reference to it on uh, while he was on tour. I mean, so it got back to him and, and the whole idea that uh, you know that that this native woman uh, did you know essentially what what Jeff did tra- had this song translated into um, uh, into Mi'kmaq and performed it. I mean, this you know, but you're right. This kind of shows the importance and the significance and the power of language because it ends up, you know, reaching, I mean, uh, you know, reaching all the way around uh, you know, to to some of the artists. I mean, uh, Jeff Doreen actually did um a uh a Dave Matthews song and I have a kind of a end around connection to the Dave Matthews band because of a friend of mine who is the uh stepmother to the bass player for Dave Matthews. So I got him connected to Dave Matthews. So, but it, it's it's kind of an in- interesting way the the whole thing plays out. But uh, um, mm-hmm. and what you're doing in ter- in terms of finally you know putting you know a native um, event together for for the art park is uh, is phenomenal. Talk to me a little bit about uh, about who you've got and um, uh, you know and, well first first start off with the performers, then we'll talk about how you got there. <laughs> okay, that's a really good place to start. Uh, we're very excited. Uh, this year, you know, you mentioned that we have the tribe called Red uh, that will be closing out the show. And I understand Bear is from Buffalo originally before he moved up to Six Nations. Uh, so it's it's a wonderful tribute to have him back in Buffalo and to perform or in Western New York. So um, very excited that he's coming back home. Um, but we also have, and it, what was interesting is that Art Park was kind of looking at it saying, let's kind of, you know, introduce people to um, the Native American uh, culture, music, as well as the Canadian culture and music. So um, they invited the Sam Roberts Band and Alan Doyle uh, Mm -hmm. to also join a uh, tribe called Red on stage. And and about a month ago, a month and a half ago, we added... uh, uh, Thunderhand Joe in the medicine show, of course, everyone remembers Redbone. Mm-hmm. I, you know, come and get your love. I mean, that's, I still can't stop dancing whenever that song comes on. Well, Guardians of the so Galaxy kind of op- gave that, gave that song some, some new life, uh, with a lot of those other 80s yeah. tunes. But yeah, so when, when you, when you start putting songs on, uh, on one of these, uh, the, the MCU, <laughs> the Marvel Cinema Universe, you, that's the <laughs> one way to, uh, kind of re, remind people of the song. So, and it certainly did that. You know, you bring up a really good point is that a lot of people don't realize the significant contribution that Native people have had to the music industry right from get-go when we were, you know, we can go all the way back to Mildred Bailey and uh, sure. Link Ray and, you well, know, have you seen, you seen have, have like, you seen the movie Rumble? Of course I have. Okay. Actually, my colleague is Tim Johnson, who's executive producer. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. We just recently, um, we've been on tour with Rumble the Concert. We did a whole month in Canada. We did a five-city uh, tour with that. So um, we have one more coming up um, on the 29th at, uh, in Niagara Falls. We, oh, screen, we screened the Falls. film in New York, uh, actually, uh, both way out in Huntington, Long Island, uh, and, and in Brooklyn, we screened the film. And it it really took people aback. Again, uh, you know, mm-hmm. people who had no idea what the Native connection. Not only do they not realize, you know, who of these artists, you know, were were Native in the first place. Uh, uh, <laughs> when you start playing the guitar lick to the Jackson Brown "Doctor My Eyes," and you realize that's oh. Jesse Davis doing something, you know, totally oh. off the cuff. Um, these are the kinds of things that that really start to send a um, a message to people to that they don't understand that. You look, we, we understand the influence of, uh, you know, um, um, of, 
you know, uh, the black influence in uh, in what has become rock and roll. But they mm-hmm. there's very few people who have realized the connection between you know native people and black people um, as that as the various genres of music, as you mentioned, uh, Mildred Bur- Bailey and and others uh, who you know again have had have had impact in, in not just rock and roll, not just blues, not just folk, but it goes across the board. Pop culture. Yeah, there I mean, you go. We yeah. had a whole movement, uh, you know, just even to fashion and everything else. And it's time for us to finally get the recognition, the respect, uh, and the honor that um, I think that our ancestors deserve and that our people deserve. And, you know, and this is one way of educating uh, the mass public about the deep-rooted beauty of our cultures, our traditions, our heritage, and to help them understand who we were before, uh, before Western or before colonization, uh, what we've gone through since they've come here, and who we are today, and you know, being a product of that environment that they've imposed upon us. But let's go back to what we've contributed. I mean. It is so significant, and the music, I, it, that's why I'm so excited about Strawberry Moon Festival, because sure. we are bringing people together, all different cultures, and um, to Art Park after 40 years. I was a child, I remember that powwow, um, that last one, uh, and it's exciting. I've been hounding them for the last few years, saying... Can we have a can we have a native like event here? Can we have a native event? And I had Alan Jameson come down with me. I had Gary Parker come down with me. We sat there for the last five or six years. Well, I'm, so, I'm a pretty big mouth. Um, you ever need somebody to make a bunch of noise? By all means, uh, <laughs> you know, don't leave me out of the mix. I, I can. I, I, I can bully with the best of them when I have to. So, um, but you know, the one thing I want to mention, because uh, you know, based on what you were just saying, this isn't about. Um, us just adapting to this imposition, uh, you know, of you know colonialism. It's it really is about us um, taking something back and 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 making sure that our voices and our instruments, the drum, I mean, with the power of the drum, all of that stuff that we that we don't that we are not silenced. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes you know people think this is all about assimilation, and it isn't because if anything. We're you're we're still affecting their culture, and you know people talk about the Colombian exchange, you know, and and they always make it sound like it, it was a one way street. And I think music is not about um, uh, us adapting to them. It's it's about you know about uh, conditioning them to understand and recognize who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think that's it. And I think education is so key, and whatever way that one has to educate. Let's educate, because the more that people know about us, the more they understand about us, the more that they see us in public, the more that they hear our voices, they hear our stories, they hear, um, our, they, they witness and they participate in our traditions or in um, land-based teachings or workshops, or then the more they're going to understand who we are, and hopefully they'll have a better understanding of who we are and more respect for us and, and understanding what the contributions that we have made and that we're continuing to make. And I think that's really important. And I think my goal in putting all these different events on is to educate. But it's to finally, it's to finally have a scene. Like, you know, the African-American, it was, okay. it was even better at one point to be African-American than it was to be Native. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know it's pretty bad. Well, and, and frankly, one of the things that's, that still plagues some of our fine um, um, performers is that we can't break into in, into the industry that is so dominated, you know, by by white executives. Um, and and frankly, even as as we've had artists that have uh, that have been phenomenal hip hop artists and and folk uh you know blues and folk and all that other stuff it has been hard because we don't have the um the mass the masses uh you know of native people to to help propel an artist into you know uh, uh into commercial success so you know and and you know black artists although they were they were very much exploited um they were able to use even that level of exploitation 
to to carve it out for themselves. But unfortunately, we still have a lot of native musicians who are who are left out of the cold of this stuff. And and this is why Rumble was so important because it it kind of showed the connection and the almost the outreach and almost trying to uh, re grasp that 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 tie to not only be, between the native influences on, on rock and roll, but the black influences and how they came together. So, you know, I, I think music is, is one of those things that brings us together. Yeah. And it's one, and that's a baby step. And I know that it really is igniting also the young performers to say, Hey, I've got a chance. I can make it. And you come back to uniting us together. And that's another core element of the strawberry moon festival mm-hmm. is to bring all of our diverse indigenous cultures, native cultures and, and nations together because we need to unite together and a unite front nation to nation so that we, because we've got bigger issues out there that are that we need to deal with, but we need to deal with it as native people of Turtle Island. Um, no matter if you're Anishinaabe or if you're Mohawk or, you know, is that we need to come together. And I find that music or festivals like this can bring us all together. Just, just, and just because to, we didn't, I didn't perhaps introduce you properly. Why don't you, um, <laughs> uh, just briefly explain, you know, what your, you know, um, who you are and, and how you, um, you know, how you got involved in this and was able to do this. I mean, where, where are you from? Um, uh, what, where do you call home? Well, home is, uh, in the sense of physically home, I was raised in St. Catharines. Okay. Um, but uh, my my mom is both Mi'kmaq and Abeniki, uh, so Anishinaabe uh, from Kibigan ZB. So mm-hmm. my grandmother, she was Mi'kmaq, my grandfather was Abeniki. Um, my father is white um, and was adopted by the Six Nations on the U.S. side uh, when I was probably about eight or nine. Uh, so my background is radio, television, and film. So my parents uh, were both in the radio and television uh, industry, and my parents um, actually helped build uh, 100.3 FM on Six Nations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all of the equipment that we had at the radio station, uh, which was CHOW Radio in Welland, and eventually my mother and I were the first indigenous people, not even women, but indigenous people in all of Canada to receive two broadcast licenses from the CRTC, mm-hmm. and our, our radio station was called Spirit 91.7, to give our people a voice, um, you know, and also with the station at Six Nations. So that's my background, is radio, television, film, uh, putting on festivals, and um, really trying to help our indigenous um, artists. Well, is there anybody specifically with with you being able to you know bring you know this some a native event back to our park? Is there anybody um, uh, any of the the powers that be at our park? Is there anybody specifically that you have to acknowledge that uh, that was willing to hear you out and and help this uh, help this happen? Yes. Um, the artistic director, Sonia, um, I don't know how many times I've knocked on her door, uh, called her up and said, what about this year? What about this year? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she has heard my voice and knocking and coming down. Um, I, like I said, I brought Alan Jameson down with me. I went down with Gary Parker. Uh, I had uh, Tim Johnson on the phone with me when I walked in her office. And finally this year, uh, she calls me up only a few months ago and she says, so, um, do you think you could put a festival together in two months? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was thinking about all the things. I have like a whole indigenous month um, because our our company, Keki Kelenix, we put on Celebration of Nations. We do a lot of different indigenous events to help educate. And the month of June is indigenous month in Canada. So I, I kind of hesitated, but then I took a deep breath. And I said, you know what? This might be the shot, no right? I'm like the president. We've got to do this. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. our mission. This is the goal. We yeah. have to be out there. So I said, yes. <laughs> so it's well, exciting. Well, let's, let's, let's give the breakdown. Um, so uh, this, uh, well, give, the, give the, the exact times and, uh, and uh, you know, the you know, website, sure. everything. Go ahead and give me, give me all the, the, uh, the critical <laughs> info. <laughs> all right. Well, 3 o'clock doors open. We have over 20 different Indigenous Native vendors. Um, you know, big shout out to the uh, Native Guild uh, that are coming out, Artist Guild, um, 
and Mary Jacobs, she's put a, a great team together. So we have a major array of vendors that will be coming out, food, so people can really sort of discover and, uh, you know, look at some of the great art that we make. Um, so, and then, but at 3.30, that's when we're going to uh, start the celebra- uh, celebrations. And uh, both Elder Alan Jameson and uh, Neil Patterson from Tuscora will uh, just do the welcome to everybody. We'll have a, a song by Franklin McNaughton and Jordan Smith. We'll lead into a welcome song um, and possibly a round dance. You know how we, as soon as the drums start, we'll start dancing. But I'm excited this year because the Social Dance Club at Tuscora Indian School will also be performing. I think there's probably about, uh, they just started this not too long ago, so they're really just starting to get into this dance. I think uh, Kahala was telling me it's only been a few, like maybe two or three years. So they'll be also dancing and singing for us. Um, we have the Iroquois Marching uh, Band that will be also there. But then we segue right into some dance workshops. And you know how many people may not understand the difference between all the all the different dances and why they why we dance these certain dances traditionally and culturally um, because a lot of people see them at powwows but to understand the the history behind some of them exactly and from what yeah. nation they may be and yeah to find out a little bit more about why we dance these certain dances. So we're going to have an array like from hoop dancing. We have Nikki Shawana. I don't know if anyone's seen her, but she is an incredible hoop dancer. She's in a schnabe. Uh, she'll be coming in from uh, six to do that. And then we also have fancy dancers, um, the grass dance, and of course the smoke dance. Everybody loves electrifying, exhilarating smoke dance. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you da- do you dance? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't reel you in? No, no, you, 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 you really can't. I, I, uh, I used to sing, but I don't really, I was never really much to dance, but. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, um, so anyway, so that will be, uh, we'll also have a smoke dance competition. It's free uh, to register. You just need to register. We have uh, prizes. Uh, so, you know, I think it's $350 for the first prize, 250 and 150 mm-hmm. And the Tribe Called Red has invited the women, the first prize winner of women and men to come up on stage at 10.30 to dance with them um, in their closing uh, songs. So that's pretty exciting. Sure. Yeah, sounds and, good. Uh, sounds yeah. great. And we're gonna, um, you're going to hook up with me, and I'm going to try to... Uh, you know, offer a few tickets through uh, through the week. Um, you know, through Facebook and a, and a few, you know, some of the, my other outreach. But we'll we'll get uh, we'll get a few people and we'll we'll connect up a few people between this show and uh, and your show. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll plan on that as well. I look forward to it. This uh, this sounds like a good time. And um, look, and anything I can do to to help for this show and future shows, uh, um, keep me in mind, and we'll uh, we'll work together. Well, I'm looking forward to working with you, and uh, as I would say in my language, Chimigwich, uh, so Nahuatl, and we're uh, saying Yahweh, for yeah, inviting exactly. me, <laughs> and well, I look forward to seeing you and working with you. That sounds good. Okay, Strawberry Moon Festival, that's this Saturday, uh, doors open at 3 p.m. At, at the Art Park uh, Amphitheater in uh, in Lewiston, New York. So uh, if you're looking for plans for this weekend, this would be one of those things to do. So uh, um, you can, uh, website, um, uh, website and how do people uh, order tickets? Okay, so you, artpark.net okay. um, forward slash event forward slash Strawberry Moon Festival. Okay. It's all up there. So if you, yeah, just sort of Google Strawberry Moon Festival at Art Park. Uh, tickets, they're $28, uh, so they're pretty inexpensive. Uh, for children, 12 and under, free. Awesome. So it is a family event. I know. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we look forward to seeing it. All right. Sounds possible. great. We look and, forward to it. It's, yeah. uh, it's always great to see, you know, see these events come together. And, you know, for, for you to have pulled this off after a, a 40-year absence, uh, this is tremendous. <laughs> so congratulations on that. And uh, we'll offer some congrats uh, after the show as well. Thank you for uh, connecting up with me and allowing me to, to uh, be of assistance. Uh, it's, it's great to be a part of this thing. So um, we'll see you on Saturday. All right. Take care. All right. All right. That's uh, again. That's uh, Michelle Elise Burnett. Um, she's uh, produced this this event at the, uh, at our park, um, the amphitheater uh, this this Saturday. Um, uh, so that would be what the twenty second, uh, June twenty second, 
and doors open at 3, 3 p.m. So um, if, if you're looking for something to do, look up. If you just search uh, Strawberry Moon Festival in our park, you'll uh, you'll pull all the information up. We'll go out with a little bit of a tribe called Red, and uh, we'll come back. And uh, i got a few other things to talk about. We'll, uh, we'll uh, hit those up when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Hey! 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 The family of a woodcarver shot to death by a Seattle police officer says that an autopsy shows he was not facing the officer. Officer Ian Burke shot and killed John T. Williams in August. Williams' family tells our newspaper partner, the Seattle Times, he suffered four gunshot wounds on the right side of his body. The Seattle Police Department's Firearms Review Board completed a confidential inquiry Monday to determine if that shooting was justified, and that review has now been passed on to the police. Yes. We're waiting to hear more about what led to a deadly shooting was shot and killed near the intersection of Bourne Avenue and Tower Street. We also know that the Seattle police officer who pulled the trigger. John Hopperstack picks it up next. Seattle police are investigating whether the shooting of Wood Carver John C. Williams was justified. But in the minds of those who led a memorial tonight at the place he died, it's clear what happened. My mic is on. <laughs> I want to look before we get started. Let me, let me go ahead and thank my sponsor. I think Let's Talk Native um, sponsors uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. Uh, Eric Whitney, RW Enterprises. Uh, I want to silently, I guess, 
I get, how do you silently uh, thank somebody? But I want to thank the sponsors who remain anonymous, I guess. And, uh, and of course, uh, those of you who on occasion, you know, drop a check in the mail, I appreciate that. Uh, we could use a, we could use a few more. As you can see, we are trying to upgrade. We've, uh, we've added, uh, this monitor to our, uh, um, to our backdrop and we're going to try to do some more things as we, uh, uh, as we go forward. We're, we're hoping we can, by, by having a, uh, um, the flat screen and back, we can, you know, offer some more, you know, perhaps some images as we're talking about various subjects, uh, perhaps put some other graphics up and that kind of thing. So we're still working that out. We've got some connectivity issues that we're starting to sort out, but, uh, this is what we're trying to do to improve the product that we're doing here. I want to thank those of you who allow that, uh, who help us make that happen. Uh, you, you know, again, uh, I can't say enough about the support, especially from, from, uh, from RJE, Ross and Holly John. They are, are my biggest sponsor and, um, and of course, they're also my uh, my landlord. This is where we're we're located on uh, on on one of Ross's uh, uh, Ross and Holly's facilities. So, um, really grateful for to them to uh, for supporting what we do here. Um, but I also want to thank those of you who who share the show. Um, not the least of which is my wife who who shares the the Facebook live stream on a bunch of uh, group pages. I want to thank those of you who have group pages that allow us to share our show on your pages. Um, um, look. We we address issues here that are not um, often addressed, and we do it in a way that um, that sometimes can come across as confrontational. I look, I I realize that I get that, um, but I don't know how other than being kind of in your face that we can do this stuff. Um, I talk about a lot of issues, uh, the mascot issues. In case you're wondering, <clears throat> what shirt do I have on? <clears throat> it looks like a Washington Redskins shirt. It's not. It is a uh, it's a Caucasian shirt, and I'll show you. All right, so you have it. Uh, I had my uh, my uh, mock of um, the, the the Cleveland baseball team that Caucasian shirt on the other day, and that drew some attention. Um, I will say, when I wear these shirts and I walk through New York, I think the people who have the hardest time understanding what I'm doing are uh, are black people. <laughs> I pass people on the street, and some black guy looks at me, and I got a Caucasian shirt on. They don't know if I'm like. I, you know, maybe this is that whole thing where where white people think when they put us on their your, their football helmets, they really think that they're honoring us when we aren't. I mean, but but it's it is kind of it's it's kind of a funny situation. I see people struggle with trying to wrap their heads around me mocking this, uh, you know, the the sports industry uh, who who has taken on this, you know who decided that we should be reduced to mascots. And of course, that's one of the other issues I talk, uh, talk quite a bit about here. A um, couple of things. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, while Michelle was on, uh, I do have Jeff Doreen and Laura Kuji joining me at the end of the month in New York at the Brooklyn Commons. Uh, that's going to be Thursday, June 27th. They're going to be performing. Uh, Laura does spoken word uh, um, pieces, for, um, from, mostly from her book, uh, which I happen to have here. Uh, no rainbow. Um, and Jeff plays uh, a backup. Uh, it gives her some accompaniment with his guitar while she does her spoken word performance. And then she uh, she sings and plays a little bit of uh, uh, instrumentation uh, to back Jeff up uh, when he's doing uh, Beatles tunes in Mohawk. So they're going to join us. It is a unique experience to watch these guys work together. And um, it is... It, it is a unique form of entertainment. So, uh, again, my, my hats off to these guys for doing what they do, and uh, and I look forward to having them back in New York. Um, it'll be Jeff's third time joining me in New York, uh, uh, Laura's second time, and, and I look forward to, to hosting them uh, at the Brooklyn Commons, uh, 388 Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. That's going to be a 7 p.m. Uh, showtime start at the Brooklyn Commons in uh, in Brooklyn, New York. So there's that. Um hey, this Sunday I'm heading out to Pittsburgh. I'm a part of a um of a conference that that addresses the the shared um experiences of black people and, and native people. And I'm going to talk about the doctrine of Christian discovery there because that is one of those things that binds us together, you know, not in a good way because uh it, it was the churches that um by issuing these these papal bulls uh, encourage slavery, encourage genocide, and, and so much more. So I'm going to I'm going to talk about that. I'll be out. This is a um, uh, a Saturday Sunday thing. I think they do a uh, reception on Friday, but this is a mostly a Saturday Sunday thing. I'll, a Sunday thing. I'll be going out on Sunday to to participate in that. Um, 
Uh, I'm also the following weekend. Uh, we're going to be part of the Poor People's uh, Campaign. Uh, Ross, John, and I will be heading up to Potsdam, New York. To uh, uh, again, we're we're also going to talk about the the imposition uh, of poverty on our people and how it starts with the doctrine of discovery. So we'll be uh, we'll be addressing that, and, and that, so we'll I'll have more information as that draws closer. That'll be on. Um, let me see. I think that's on the the 29th. Uh, so that's a Saturday. The last Saturday of the month. So, all right, a couple of things that I, I wanted to hit. Uh, you know, again, I appreciate uh, Michelle coming on and, and talking not just about the event up at Art Park, but uh, but just the whole idea of trying to, you know, get Native musicians and 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 our contributions to what what some will call American music, but uh, uh, our contributions to the music industry. And uh, and and I thank her for for her work on that. Um, but a couple of things. <clears throat> Look, I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about Donald Trump on this show. Um, let's be clear. I think he's an ass. Um, I And one of the things that, that I keep hearing, I was, I was in the NPR today, and they had um, some Democratic operatives on who were talking about what the Democrats have to do to beat Donald Trump. And, and, and of course, they're all packed in behind Joe Biden. But... You know, and it sounds a lot like when when Hillary ran, you know, back in 2016. But one of the things that I find disturbing is when I when I hear anybody in the media, you know, whether the it's these talking heads on radio or whether it's the 24 uh, seven news cycle, and I'm not just talking Fox News because this is on even even on the on MSNBC and uh, and and CNN. Every time I hear somebody talk about what a genius Donald Trump is. I, I, look, can we stop that now? He is not a media genius. He is not a Twitter genius. This is a guy who can't even complete a complete uh, speak a complete sentence for crying out loud. He's not a reality TV genius. He is not an art of the deal genius. This is guy. This guy is like serendipitously. Um, uh, again, he reminds me of of a movie I saw years ago starring uh, Peter Sellers called being there where there's this moron that everybody thinks is a genius and that's exactly what you have in donald trump and i say that because we see this in indian country or native territories as well uh where where people get promoted as if they are the you know the reincarnation of i i don't know the gonawida or, or whoever i mean it's look we have struggled um in the last you know, I won't. I won't say 500 years because it took a while before uh, Europeans really started banging on our doorsteps. But, but we have struggled. We have struggled, and the thing that we struggle most, uh, most with, and the reason I talk about this so much, is it, it, it has to do with our identity. And and I gotta say, the reason I talk about identity so much is because it is the single most important part of who we are. As it especially as it relates to our future, because if our identity continues to be unraveled and uh, and 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 we continue to submit to to these uh, to assimilation, and I'm gonna, when we talk about assimilation, we're talking about all of the things that imperialism, colonialism, capitalism has done not just to us, but has done to the entire world, including including climate change, and if we don't start carving out our own distinction and making sure that no we're not going to vote in your elections we're not going to run for your offices we're not going to uh, uh, we're not going to play that game I mean, I mean part of my cr- uh, criticisms to, to somebody like Mark Charles talking about the doctrine of Christian discovery is that he, he, he cites this as if that's that's what we should be using for white guilt to, to be treated better I don't want to be treated better as an American I want people to understand that we are distinct and that we have the right to assert that distinction. I mean, I, look, I, I, I get a kick when I, when I hear people criticize, you know, um, uh, you know the, the unity flag behind me. Oh, yeah, we all know what that means. No, you don't. And yet when I hear people criticize that, and yet I see that American flag flying everywhere in our territory. We're going to do veterans powwows because we're going to celebrate how many of our people fought to advance the U.S. military interest, oppressing other people in 
and look, you know, I know World War II is supposed to be considered sacrilege, but you know, the truth be told, the United States was uh, um, was was overly aggressive there too. I mean, and I've talked about dropping atomic bombs on a small island country like Japan, uh, and, that, and now the United States wants to stand as the moral authority over uh, you know over nuclear weapons. I mean, so when I mean. When we talk about oh, the so so much bravery of our guys enlisting in the armed forces, you know, look if you're gonna if you're gonna you know, join the biggest bully on the planet, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't see it the same way. But this cuts to some of this this identity issue. The the more that we place ourselves in their service or in their um, in their systems. Look, I, I'm not asking for us to to live, um, you know, in isolation. I I would never suggest that. But just because we I'm wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt doesn't mean that I'm them. I'm you know I've talked about this the other uh, a couple of weeks ago. I am not fighting for civil rights. I'll I'll support others who are. But I'm not fighting for our civil rights within the American Constitution or even within American society. That's not what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for our distinction. I'm fighting for our our humanity, our human rights, our right that was bestowed by creation, not by, you know, God or not by, you know, some other other name for God, but by the very fact that that if the creation provided us the opportunity and and of course all of life life the opportunity to to do the right thing you know of course we have the power of choice so we see that the world is, that most of the world is obsessed with killing each other i mean we see it in in the in the constant state of war that so many places and especially the united states who has 700 military bases in over 70 countries around the world. So don't tell me about how brave it is to, to, to join that team. I'll, uh, uh, look, you want to talk about bravery? I'll talk about the people who, who stand up to that. Talk to, talk to me about the people who have stood up to the, to the United States, who, who will stand up to the police. I mean, that, that tribe called Red uh, Song, I mean, it just gives you an example. Native people, as a proportion of our population, we um, experience death by cop at a higher rate than anybody else uh, in the United States. We've we've experienced death by by the U.S. military at at a rate that that essentially you know took us wiped out our population to the tune of ninety five percent. So no, I'm not going to enlist in their armed forces. I'm not going to. I'm not going to throw my body into their service. So what? I could do it to Vietnamese, or I could do it to Afghanis, or I can do it to Iraqis, or, or who knows? Maybe uh, Iranians next. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be a part of that. I, I'll, I'll stand. You know, look. One of my heroes is Muhammad Ali, the man who had who had the guts to risk everything that he'd worked for his whole life for. A world boxing champion, heavyweight champion of the world. He he risked that to say no. I'm not going to go kill the yellow man for the white man who stole this land from the red man. I mean, he referred to those Vietnamese. Youth. Why would I want to go kill those little black babies? Because those people are just as dark as he was. He says, Why would I want to go there and kill those little black babies? He says, "You my enemy, you my opposer." That's that's what uh, Muhammad Ali said. But I don't hear a whole lot of native people say that. No, I I see people saying, "Oh yeah, go out and vote Democrats. Let go out and vote for Hillary Clinton. Go run for Congress. Go run for governor. Go run for president." And all that is is assimilation. So when I'm talking about identity, this is the reason. Because uh, just as I said on uh, Tanzina Vega's show, the takeaway when she says. Why would I want to assert my distinct citizenship, my, that I'm not a U.S. citizen? Because if we don't, we disappear. We fade away. Look, I am really troubled. I mean, I'm going to be 60 years old this year. I got to tell you, I thought we'd be farther along. I mean, I've been, I've, you know, and I don't mean that 
I don't think, I don't want to say that I think I thought I would accomplish more. I mean, as a people. Oh, we've made some money. We made some money in cigarettes, we made some money in gas, we made some money in gambling. But we keep going farther into their system. We haven't, we haven't taken a stand on, on income tax. So, I mean, again, it's bizarre to me that even if you, if you're an elected official of the Seneca nation or any of the, any of these nations, if you're elected or, or even if you're traditional and you're getting paid for that position, the, the IRS is taking 30% of your income or they're assessing it to come back at you later. And you know what they're going to do with that 30% of your income? They're funding their war machine. The biggest expenditure in the, in the U.S. budget is military. So that's what we're supporting when we pay taxes. Of course, I don't pay taxes. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I know people don't believe it, but uh, I don't. But I got to tell you, we've got, we've got to stand on something, folks. We just can't keep, you know, look, uh, you know, with the old Mike and the Mechanics songs is uh, pledge allegiance to the flag, whatever flag they offer. Never know, never tell them how you really feel. You know that, look, I understand getting, uh, going along to get along so you can live to fight another day. But if, if we're not doing, if we're not kind of, you know, treading water to fight for another day, if we're only doing that to, you know, to, to fill up our wallets, then we're no different than anybody else out there. And I'll tell you, somebody better take a stand. You know, because this isn't just about, you know, state or federal policy to try to make changes to, to you know, to now make changes to the damage they've already done to, you know, to, to the planet in terms of climate change. And I say damage to the planet. What they've done is they've altered the planet that's going to make it more um, unlivable, unlivable for, for people and, and, and many other species. But I'll tell you, who are the people who are going to be hurt the most by climate change? The poorest people on the planet. The people who, you know, and now the the lakefront and the, the, the ocean front, you know, houses on stilts and, you know, look, those people could lose, lose house. Most of, hell, that's probably not even their only home. But when you're talking about people living in the low-lying areas of Louisiana or South Carolina, you know, or I mean, hell, when Superstorm Sandy hit, uh, came up the coast and, and even impacted in the New York City area. It was the poorest people who were the most uh, adversely affected. Look, I live here in uh, in Seneca territory. We are probably, and in fact, there, there's been some climatologists who have suggested that Buffalo may be one of the more desirable regions of uh, 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 you know fresh water, but uh, we're elevated off the off the lake. At least you know Western New York here. We're probably in a great position to to survive. Some of the the ill effects of climate change does not mean doesn't mean we're not going to have a fierce weather, but I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what what everybody just keeps going along with, including native people. Look, for all the money that we've made in gas, gaming, and cigarettes, we are not hedging our bets. No, I, I look. I, I I appreciate the ag projects, and I know the Seneca Nation has uh, has a bit of an ag project, and uh, others have talked about food sovereignty. But we're not we're we're not going at it aggressively enough, and it's not to, to again condemn those projects. But those projects aren't big enough, and there aren't enough of us participating in this in this kind of thing. But I can't get away from the identity issue because if we're going to play this pretend that we're dual citizens, you know that we're we're both you know, Gunyagahaga and Americans, or we're, you know, Gunyagahaga and Canadians, or we're Onundawaga and Americans, or and we're Onundawaga and Canadians. Look, they don't recognize that. So why would why would we want to embrace that? And there's no upside for us. I mean, they can't, I mean, the U.S. and Canada can't deny, you know, um, frankly, they can't deny us their constitutional rights. I mean, they do, but they legally can't. But that's not what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for our distinction. I mean, I bring up the, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples only because it shows how starkly the United States and Canada violate it. That's why I bring it up. And, and, and not only do they violate this, this declaration, but Article 43 of the declaration says this is the minimum standard. This, is, this isn't even the, the, this isn't what Native people need for prosperity. 
It says it very clear. This is the minimum standard for survival and dignity. And it ain't getting it done. It ain't getting it done. Look, we've got missing and murdered indigenous women issues. We've got the highest instance of uh, of uh, substance abuse, suicide. We have the highest uh, um, un- uh, 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 unemployment rates, the the highest poverty levels. And that's by design, folks. And if you think, look, I get it. The people who are telling us to go out and vote and the people who, who muster up the, uh, you know, the support from white people to run for office, they're not the average person living on a native territory. They're not the, the ones who fought, who, who've been impoverished. The Mark Charleses in the world didn't live in, in, in poverty or the Deborah Hollands or the, or the Sharice Davids or the Paulette Jordans or, you know, no, they didn't. Or even the Winona LaDukes, who's, you know, who, who ran for, as the vice president for the Green Party. She pulls in $15,000 for a speaking engagement. I'm, I, I gotta tell you, it isn't about the superstar. And, and it's not about me either. Look, I, I put this stuff out there because I think we all need to have this conversation. We all need to take a, uh, take a firmer stand. I mean, it's insane to me. That you know, you know, I live here in Seneca territory, and and look, and and I respect you know uh, the views that the Senecas hold on uh, you know on on how they live here, but consider the fact that here in Seneca territory, there's a the New York State Thruway that runs through commerce existing every single day, unfettered, running through running right through Seneca territory. There is. Uh, CSX rail railway running through trains every single day, bomb trains, trains carrying everything from hazardous material to containers every single day running through, completely unfettered. And, and nobody checks in. The Seneca Nation doesn't make anything off that. Seneca people don't make anything off of that. There's uh, national fuel lines. There's national grid lines. You go down to the Allegheny, you've got, uh, you also have uh, Interstate 86. So you got, you got the throughway, Interstate 90. You got all of these, you know, five and twenty. These these U.S. routes running through through territories. All of this commerce going through Seneca territory, and the, and the state will still fight guys like Eric White and others for putting a, for putting a truck on a road to, to haul a native product from a native territory to another native territory. The the, the state will still squeeze the, the Seneca Nation, you know, for for forty eight percent of their of their slot revenue, not twenty five percent. 48% of the, of, of the slot revenue. And the state's got nothing into this. They didn't give anything up for this. But they're going to they're gonna squeeze the Senecas. You know, for, for, for another... They've already got a billion and a half. They're going to squeeze it for another billion going forward. And this... And look, there's almost nobody making noise. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm glad the Seneca Nation is taking a stand on this. But I don't hear a whole lot of Senecas making noise. I, I hear more Senecas complaining that oh yeah all those guys on council they're crooks, they're all they're all a bunch of crooks. Well, what are you doing to send a message to these guys? You're I mean, half the time I hear people complaining more about there is nothing more significant economically to the Seneca Nation than the state trying to squeeze a billion dollars out of them for the, over the next over the next seven years. I mean I don't know how that's not a priority. But that's not the thing that gets everybody up in arms. You know, as I talked last week, I talked about, you know, our, uh, the, the Cayuga situation. Again, more fighting over money. Look, I, 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 look I'm glad they do some ag projects. They got a, a couple of gardens going, and they're, and they're doing some stuff in their, in their longhouse. Well, you know, I can't call it longhouse. Their, their schoolhouse. But the vast majority of Cayugas are sitting on the sideline. Not stepping up, they're they're not going. They're not going out there to to take take a stand. When are the people going to take a stand? When are the people going to involve themselves in their own affairs? When is when are their voices going to be heard? Look, I'll 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 scream to the top of my lungs on all of these issues. But you know what? I can put a chair right here, and somebody can join me. I can put another chair right there, and somebody can join me. And that's just here. I mean, this look. This is safe here. I'm not talking about going down to the throughway. We could do that too. So look, it all, it's not all doom and gloom. This weekend we got a great event happening up at Art Park. So I hope you'll uh, you'll join us as we go up there 
to celebrate um, this Strawberry Moon Festival. Um, Michelle Elise Burnett uh, is responsible for this, and, and I applaud her, the work that she's doing. Uh, come on out, listen to A Tribe Called Red and, uh, and others, and uh, look forward to seeing you up there. And look, it's not all doom and gloom, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of work to do. And, man, I thought we'd be farther along. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks.